this is Dr. Nick Tiller, and you're listening to the Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science podcast. What follows is an audio recording of my column, published in Skeptical Inquirer, the magazine for science and reason. For more information, visit www.skepticalinquirer.org. As with all articles in this series, a full list of references and a link to the written piece can be found in the show notes. Episode 7, When Medicines Go Rogue, Part 1, Methylene Blue. The notion of an exaggerated health claim is as old as the wellness industry itself, but only in the past few decades have health claims benefited from being periodically shared by the world's social media influencers. The exposure they afford a product is invaluable, amplifying the marketing claims and occasionally conceiving new ones to millions of followers and potential customers. Their influence is once again responsible for a concerning fitness trend that lurks on the periphery of popular culture. In a series of online posts, fitness gurus have documented their experiences of using methylene blue, an industrial dye that evolved into a common treatment for the blood disorder methemoglobinemia, claiming the drug improved their cognitive performance and functioned as a mitochondrial optimizer. Needless to say that in a health and wellness industry nearly saturated with pseudoscience, in which baseless claims abound, methylene blue is raising a few sceptical eyebrows. In this series, titled When Medicines Go Rogue, I'll be exploring products such as methylene blue that are used as legitimate medical treatments, but that have been co-opted and misappropriated in the commercial space to sell unreasonable outcomes and false promises. Welcome to the Blueniverse. So writes one vendor of methylene blue on their website, claiming their lozenge can, quote, launch you into flow, enhance your memory, recall, productivity, focus, and verbal fluency, end quote. Another retailer claims their 1% concentrated solution can protect your memory, promote blood and oxygen flow to the brain, and help remedy those times when mitochondria fails in its function as if responding specifically to the broad and numerous claims, the FDA published an article titled How to Spot a Health Fraud, in which they warned customers to be suspicious of products that claim to cure a wide range of unrelated diseases, particularly serious diseases, because no products can treat every disease and condition. Using critical thinking to contextualize the litany of commercial health claims is difficult enough for scientists like me, but it becomes considerably more so when revered athletes and celebrities amplify marketing rhetoric out of financial incentives or sheer ignorance. For example, personal trainer and fitness influencer Ben Greenfield, who has a combined 650,000 followers on prominent social media platforms, described methylene blue as, quote, a potent cognitive enhancer, end quote. He espoused wide-range effects such as enhanced mitochondrial function, neuroprotective effects against brain inflammation, and increased memory and cognitive function, benefits that fortuitously precisely echo the manufacturer's claims. 
Greenfield is known for promoting myriad supplements and drugs on his website and has numerous affiliate links from which he receives commission. He has investments in several supplement brands and co-founded a company making branded supplements of his own. He is far from the only influencer promoting Methylene Blue. Similar endorsements have come from professional runner and influencer Jordan Hasse and US surgeon Cameron Chestnut alongside respective Facebook and Instagram images of their blue tongues that had been stained by the dye. Despite being met with mockery and derision when the images appeared online, this issue is more complex than at first glance owing to the clinical literature in support of the drug's therapeutic effects. So, how did we arrive at this precarious intersection of clinical evidence, commercial hype and online misinformation? There are two non-industrial uses of methylene blue. In medicine, methylene blue, in doses of 1-2 to mg per kilogram, can effectively treat methemoglobinemia, a condition in which the ability of red blood cells to release oxygen to surrounding tissues of the body has been compromised. Although rare, the condition is potentially fatal, but methylene blue, also called methylthionine chloride, is an evidence-based therapy. Because methylene blue will stain most fluids and tissues, see the aforementioned tongue selfies, it's also used in microbiology as a staining agent, for example in the detailed study of animal cell components. Since its discovery over 100 years ago, studies have mounted showing clinical benefits of methylene blue. For example, the commercial claims regarding methylene blue as a mitochondrial optimizer may have stemmed from a 2016 study in which the drug was used to treat mitochondrial dysfunction in premature aging disease. Leaping from this study to the commercial claim is an understandable extrapolation, but not a correct one. As a potent antioxidant, methylene blue may also treat certain blood flow disorders. There is research on possible anti-inflammatory effects in counteracting drug-induced toxicity, and studies indicating utility in pain relief. Finally, the claimed cognitive benefits may derive from a small-scale study in which methylene blue improved performance in short-term memory tasks compared to placebo. When interpreting the scientific data, context is paramount. Almost every study showing potential benefits of methylene blue has tested the drug in patient populations, specifically as a therapy for methemoglobinemia, neurodegenerative disorders, drug toxicity, and in patients with mitochondrial dysfunction. These benefits do not necessarily extend to otherwise healthy people. So, while methylene blue is well placed as a promising therapy for several diseases and disorders, the benefits for non-patients are far from clear. Another important caveat is the dose. A typical low therapeutic dose of methylene blue used in the clinical setting is 1 to 2 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. This equates to about 80 to 160 milligrams for an 80 kilogram or 175 pound adult. Studies in cognitive effects have used an intermediate dose roughly twice this amount. Yet commercial iterations of methylene blue typically contain less than 5 milligrams total, which is 30 times lower than amounts used in the published clinical data. 
there is little to no evidence that commercial grade methylene blue confers any functional benefits. One online review of a methylene blue product, an uncritical anecdote published by a self-confessed biohacker, claimed it improved focus, concentration and creativity. Yet, alongside the small dose of the purported active ingredient were others including nicotine, hemp and caffeine. Not exactly a controlled study. Bad Influence From its humble beginnings as a dye used in the textile industry, methylene blue has been developed into a drug with several clinical applications and is now advocated by online fitness gurus as a magic bullet for health and sports performance. In contemporary health and fitness, it is commonplace for products and services with supporting clinical data to be marketed and misappropriated for the commercial sphere, often without convincing evidence. We discussed a similar scenario with respect to intravenous nutrient drips in the February issue of this column. However, lest we forget that in many cases, influencers are promoting products and brands for financial incentives, in other words, paid sponsorship. Surveys show that approximately 71% of an influencer's income is derived from sponsored online content. At the extremes, online sponsorship is absurdly lucrative. The Guardian in the UK reported that Portuguese soccer player Cristiano Ronaldo is Instagram's greatest beneficiary, earning around 40 million US dollars each year from paid advertising on the platform. Although influencers are legally obligated to tag their sponsored posts with a paid partnership label, they frequently break the rules with so-called stealth ads, prompting written warnings from the Federal Trade Commission. This is a worrying trend given that 36% of Americans under 25 have purchased a product or service because it was recommended by a social media influencer. Finally, it's worth noting that anti-science movements are savvy to the tremendous potential of influencer sponsorship. It was recently revealed that several agencies have approached social media personalities offering payments in return for the unscrupulous dissemination of anti-vaccine propaganda. With so many financial conflicts of interest, it should come as no surprise that a study of health and exercise advice disseminated on Instagram found that influencers were responsible for spreading predominantly low-quality advice and potentially harmful misinformation. In a related finding, influencers with the most followers tended to have fewer educational qualifications. Influencers often mean well, but they just as often stumble upon a kernel of truth and use it to prey on the inherent human yearning for simple solutions to complex problems. On social media, good science and sound advice are not only increasingly rare commodities, but they're also rarely simple. Science is complex and messy, and making sense of published data requires a degree of understanding and nuance that social media platforms simply don't allow. The risks of methylene blue are poorly considered. Fake news on social media spreads further, faster and deeper than objective fact. Therefore, it only requires a small number of recognisable athletes, celebrities or fitness influencers to endorse a brand for the claims to propagate. 
In this sense, the widespread use of methyl in blue outside of the clinical environment may have many non-financial costs. In small therapeutic doses, the risks of methyl in blue are minimal. However, when unshackled from the robust procedures and protocols of clinical practice, the risks of toxicity from inappropriate dosing increase considerably. Even in small doses, methylene blue might reduce exercise capacity because it's used frequently in rodent studies as an inhibitor of nitric oxide, an important blood vessel dilator. In high doses, however, methylene blue is outright toxic. It is particularly harmful to small children, causing a range of circulatory and respiratory problems. There can be drug interactions, specifically with selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs, the world's most commonly prescribed antidepressant medication, which could result in serious serotonin toxicity and even anaphylactic shock. It's for these reasons, and many that remain unstated in this short summary, that methylene blue is a controlled prescription medicine belonging to the antidotes class of drugs. It is not FDA approved. The public can ill afford more flippant endorsements of methylene blue from non-medical professionals. Take-home messages and ruminations. Methylene blue is the latest in a long line of products and services sold on commercial buzz and often sponsored influencer endorsements that overlook potential risks. And while there is a strong body of literature on the potential benefits of methylene blue for patient populations, you'd be a fool to accept advice from a fitness influencer regarding a controlled drug. The first rule, therefore, is to keep an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out, to quote Richard Feynman. Nevertheless, we live in the post-truth era, characterised by the death of expertise in which the loudest voices are the ones inevitably heard, and products such as methylene blue propagate because of the public's perception that notoriety equals expertise. The second rule, therefore, is that Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok followers are not credentials. Increased access to data, which is distinct from knowledge, and the crumbling barriers to discourse that stem from the rapid rise of social media, should have improved our ability to recognise and disseminate good health advice. Instead, just learning to safely navigate social networks has become an enormous drain on our critical faculties. It is ultimately worth the trouble but it's difficult not to wonder how these resources could have been put to better use. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this article, check out my book, The Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science, Confronting Myths of the Health and Fitness Industry, published by Taylor & Francis. For more information on this and my other work, visit www.skeptic.com nbtiller.com